Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and each week we have the pleasure here on KOPN, your community radio station in Columbia, Missouri, of talking with someone who's uh, building a more humane world uh, from the inside out. And we have a variety of guests uh, from all over the world, as well as in every kind of uh, discipline and uh, undisciplined. <laughs> and today, it's a great pleasure to get together again with Don Asby, uh, our local, uh, semi-local, sort of local um, craftsman. Uh, how would you describe your work? I'm an artist blacksmith. Yes, artist blacksmith. Well, that fits beautifully with our social artistry because your blacksmithing extends well beyond uh, the local donkey or horse or... Well, my days of shoeing horses ended in 79. That was the last time I shot a horse, Oh, I'm happy to say. <laughs> After seven years, I had enjoyed all I could stand of horseshoeing, and I was much happier working at the anvil. The fire... The uh, the hot steel under my hammer was that was where it was for me, mm -hmm. not under the hooves of the beasts that I never really fully understood. <laughs> Are you ambidextrous, by the way? Do you, yes. Do you hammer with both hands? I do. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So keep balanced in it's, that way. That, that's what I try to do. My my right side is a little bit more dominant, but. I do a lot of things with my left hand, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I try to balance it out as much as I can to keep the joints uh, wearing evenly. It's like rotating your tires. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that you are a friend of KOPN. Um, matter of fact, I met you at an annual KOPN uh, dinner uh, in Columbia years ago. My dad and I were going. Um, Dad was sort of a friend of KOPN because he actually rented the space in his building to uh, the station. And uh, you and I must have been sort of accidentally seated right. next to each other yeah, and we uh, had a little conversation. And I remember it actually vividly. And uh, Yeah, I, and I apologize <laughs> for not... I, I mean, I knew that I had met you, but I didn't... You know, I... I I don't retain hey. <laughs> faces over a period of almost 20 years as well as you do, apparently. So, well, there you have it. I have had almost 20,000 students uh, go through my classrooms at Lincoln. And uh, I certainly try to give the impression that I recognize. Good <laughs> for you. <laughs> and sometimes I do, you know. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, that memory is uh, names, you know, just blah, 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 but uh, 
Yeah. Uh, occasionally phases. Of course, they get older. That's was there thirty years, and yeah. that's been almost twenty years, probably since you and I were. It would have been probably two thousand five, maybe. You know, that's probably so because my dad moved back to Columbia mm-hmm. uh, about that year, right? And he mm-hmm. started to get involved in more uh, yeah. personal things mm-hmm. after. I'm pretty sure that's the year yeah. that we met. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, I'm sure. You've been on KOPN a time or two before, mm-hmm. uh, but it's been a while. It has, yeah. My first my first interview was uh, on Chautauqua, and that would have been back in 90, 94, I believe. Fall of 94. Yeah. Long time ago. Long time ago. And then uh, I think Kevin Walsh had me on a couple times, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and I've been on Diana Moxon's show. Speaking of the Speaking arts. Speaking of the arts. Oh, wow. cool. Yes. Yeah, that was last spring. Uh-huh. So. Well, I hear your name each time we have a, a fun drive, it seems, because uh, there's... Or, or is that the main place I would hear? Yes. It would have been... Now, I used to be... When we still had Diane Ream, mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I was a sponsor. There you go, because yeah. I would almost always listen to right. Diane Reed. Yes. Yeah. And, and when Diane retired, mm-hmm. uh, I did too, mm-hmm. and uh, was sorry to see her go. Mm-hmm. But I've always tried to maintain the uh, the gift of an Amber Waves for every fun drive there is if somebody gives... Uh, in excess of a thousand dollars. Oh wow! And I just saw—we uh, might tell the audience, hi folks. Uh, Don and I are in his living quarters, which are a small portion of this uh, sort of a warehouse-looking building out on his property, a little south of Ashland, Missouri. And so. Uh, I saw this amber wave that he's talking about. I thought it was a real plant. I, I drove in, and here was a, a bunch of these stalks uh, up, what, six feet they're, tall? They're, yeah, they're uh, over six foot. Yeah. And um, they they come in increments of three. Ah, okay. And that is the amber wave sculpture is three elements of these uh, look like prairie grass, mm-hmm. tall prairie grass. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you saw out there was probably oh, at least a dozen mm-hmm. that were uh, standing in the wind, mm-hmm. looking very natural. Very natural. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's one of the things that as you drive around Columbia, you might see these sculptures here and there. And mm-hmm. invariably, they are from uh, KOPN donors or perhaps Planned Parenthood advocates. Mm-hmm. Why the uh, Planned Parenthood advocates? Uh, what is that Well, connection? I have, I have uh, donated them to their benefit auctions uh, over the years. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. great, great. There's not a lot of support for Planned Parenthood in, uh, in the current state of things, and I do what I can to make sure that there mm-hmm. is... Uh, a greater awareness of women's reproductive rights, mm-hmm. and I do what I can to help out. Yeah, and it's it's so much uh, more than just a, a single issue oh, with Planned Parenthood. It's, it's, it's the health of the woman. The, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, 
I mean, there are women that just do not have uh, the choice of going to a physician. That mm-hmm. might be their only option. Mm-hmm. And that these clinics are shutting down in all these red states is just mm-hmm. appalling to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we do what we can. And yeah. you're uh, helping in your way. In my way. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a Missourian. Well, no. you're... Uh, I've been here longer than I haven't been. <laughs> right. I, I moved to Missouri in uh, 1973. Oh, and, okay. Uh-huh. And I uh, uh, came out uh, to experience getting back to the land, having grown up outside of New York City and in Pennsylvania. Hmm. And at the time, uh, property values were much higher there than... You know, they were the comparative property mm-hmm. out here, so still is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't changed much. You know, 1973 was the year KOPN started. I know. Wow, mm-hmm. and and year- I've been listening to it since uh, its early early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could pick it up in down in, when the when the clouds <laughs> were right. Yeah, you know, it was it wasn't always a given that you could get yeah. KOPN. It was the outer reaches, and oftentimes it would fade in and out. But I've been aware of KOPN from its early days. Mm-hmm. So you were a back-to-the-land mm-hmm. type person. Was Can you share the motivation for that? Well, I um, my dad wanted me to be a golfer. He wanted me to be a golf pro. Oh my goodness! Yeah, he lived to play golf. Oh. He was he was a uh, a businessman. Mm-hmm. He sold large capital uh, equipment packages uh, that were primarily uh, around compressed gas. So mm. he sold big propane storage tank facilities. Mm. He worked for a large. Uh, Corporation mm-hmm. <clears throat> that they did that among other things. They mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, looking back, it's uh, you know, kind of the fossil fuel uh, is king sort of thing. They they had pipelines. This company had pipelines and railroad car mm-hmm. facilities all over the country, mm-hmm. and he was their sales manager for uh, pressure vessels and. So he thought it would be wonderful if uh, I could fulfill his dream of having a professional golfer in the family. (laughs) The harder he pushed, the grubbier the hippie I became. Oh, boy. And so, yeah, I just, it was like I I wanted to find something that would be as far away from (laughs) the professional golf scene as I could. Even though I had had my first set of clubs when I was eight. Mm-hmm. It was it was really pretty funny. He pushed really really hard, and he would tell his friends and anybody that would listen that he would make a professional golfer out of me wow. if it killed him. Oh wow! Well, <laughs> and so a lot of good that did. Yeah. Uh huh. You probably had hair back then. I did. I had lots of hair. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, we all. Yeah. Well, many of us did. I. Didn't have quite the same experience, but uh, when I got out of the Navy, I had, uh, while in the Navy, met 
uh, some people that by the time I got out in 1970 had purchased a small farm in Southern Oregon and Navy, Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, I've got to get a different orientation going on. And uh, mm -hmm. was there uh, off and on, uh, met my first wife there, came mm -hmm. back to Columbia, had mm -hmm. a child. So you know, a lot of pieces uh, mm -hmm. overlap. Yeah, good good to have that uh, connection in our history. Well, just um, a lot of us ended up in Columbia um, because it's kind of an oasis of alternative thinking. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's as much of an oasis now as ever, mm -hmm. given mm -hmm. the polarity of the situation. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, kindred spirits mm -hmm. in, in the, in the area. Right. Jeff City has uh, uh, a diverse, a more diverse population than one might expect. Mm -hmm. uh, just have to be available to interact yeah. and uh, yeah. show up at certain places. Exactly. Yeah, well, actually, I met you again just last week at uh, a friend, mutual friends of ours. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Nancy and Alan Ames down yeah. in Jeff City. Musicians. Yeah. Uh, now you need to you need to interview him too. Well, or both of them. Both of them. Yeah, they actually they're a team. Actually, Nancy. <laughs> oh my gosh, she just brings so much life to any conversation. Just she is just amazing. Yeah, and they the uh, two of them would have a lot to offer. So you need to you need to line them up. Well, they're probably listening to this show, so uh, I think the uh, the cards are already on the table. Well, you'll see. They can't they can't <laughs> refuse now. <laughs> Great, but Bland, Missouri, that's over by Bell. Bell mm -hmm. Bland, uh, sixty three South. You go a little Highway twenty eight. Yeah, I yeah, had over. I had the blacksmith shop just a mile west of town on Highway twenty eight. And um, it was culture shock going from the East Coast oh, to yeah. Bland. It was definitely that. Did you find it in Mother Earth News no, or something? No, <laughs> uh, just um, my parents had been, my dad had been transferred from New York City to St. Charles. Oh, and so came okay. out to visit them mm -hmm. and uh, Started looking in the papers for affordable places mm -hmm. to buy, and uh, that was one of the first places we looked at that had what we thought we wanted, and mm -hmm. you know, just uh, worked out. Mm -hmm. Was there for fifteen years, and had got... you had you done any college or a little bit, yeah, but it wasn't your thing, so. You know, it might have been under different circumstances, but I really, really wanted to be a blacksmith, even though I had never wow. met a blacksmith. This is fascinating. Prior, yeah. prior to going out to Montana State University for their horseshoeing program. Prior to? Prior to that, I had never even seen an anvil. I had never picked up a horse's foot. I had been barely close enough to a horse to even know what, hooves look like but there was just something I mean you know you hear that term vocation where you know 
it's Latin for calling. Yeah. You know, yeah. the calling. Well, honestly, it was as much a calling for me as mm. anybody. Mm. Uh, I mean, it just it just resonated with me. And it was all backed up by that whole back to the land mm -hmm. and whole earth catalog, Mother Earth mm -hmm. News, all mm -hmm. that stuff. Learn how to do everything yourself. Mm -hmm. And the Vietnam War was raging at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was my belief at the time that we were going to hell in a handbasket real mm -hmm. quick mm -hmm. and that society might be on the verge of collapse. Mm -hmm. And if civilization falls, then they're going to need people that know how to fix stuff. Mm. And they're going to need to know how people are going to need to know who to go to to get stuff made. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was a very primal calling mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. my part. Mm -hmm. And fits right in with Primal Scream, which came yeah. out. Exactly. Uh, of California at the same time. It must have been. I don't know. I wasn't there. I was. But, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was It was definitely uh, the impetus for me to just kind of think that, well, you know, mm. I could kind of muddle my way through the next semester and the next semester mm. after that. Mm. But I had no clue when I was in I went to this really nice school called Allegheny College yeah. and beautiful place mm -hmm. and but I never could get focused enough to know what I was doing there how it would be relevant yeah. to to my life and so I decided <clears throat> after three uh, yeah, after uh, after my freshman year, I was starting to think that you know, I got to figure out something else that's wow. going to work. I, mm -hmm. I started into my sophomore year and then left halfway through it mm -hmm. and uh, decided that uh, once I got uh, accepted to this program out at MSU mm -hmm. as part of their range sciences and uh, packed up. A 1955 Chevy pickup. I built a plywood camper for it, oh. and you were I was, constructing. I was. Mm -hmm. I built. I built that and just loaded it up with everything that I thought I would need, and headed west mm -hmm. in this old truck, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, that was. You know, didn't didn't know where I was going to stay in Bozeman. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a, a fun journey. You know, I was reading that. Uh, I was reading uh, Jack Kerouac at the oh time. You know, on, <laughs> on the, the road. road. I was on the road and I was, you know. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I drove out through, uh, through Minnesota. A friend of mine, uh, my best friend in high school, drove out as far as... Uh, Minneapolis. Hmm. Uh, actually, I dropped him off in St. Paul uh, and then continued al al along uh, Highway, I guess that was 90, hmm. west of there, mm -hmm. and uh, by myself. And I was doing, you know, hobo things like I would uh, find a way into, uh, I would look for uh, small small colleges and various small towns along mm -hmm. the way. I would 
find out where the next college might be and sneak into the dorms and take showers. <laughs> I mean, it was just, I was a real outlaw at the time, you know. <laughs> <And> Wonderful. <laughs> befriend, befriend some of the kids that could sneak me into the, into the, cafeteria. Uh, into the cafeteria. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was a real vagabond mm. living in this old truck. I was sleeping mm. in the truck. I had, you know, I just had mm. it set up to where I could live. Yeah. Well, I guess it's okay still to mention your name, though, in this, this context. <laughs> I think that the statute of limitations might be might so, be expired for that. But yes, I did. I did eat a a, a couple of uh, uh, of meals. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, folks. Uh, let me don't, let me reintroduce. Don't do this at home. <laughs> let me reintroduce this uh, this vagabond uh, guy here. Uh, who's no longer a vagabond. Don Asby is a guest today on Glocal News and Social Artistry, a KOPN, Columbia Community Radio, which is much more than radio. It's community radio, and we love it. And uh, we're glad you're with us today listening. Uh, this show is every Monday uh, from 5 to 6. And by the way, uh this is recorded so that you can listen to it again uh, right there on the KOPN archive for two weeks. And then it's podcasted on uh, Global News and Social Artistry, the program page uh, there, the, the last 25 shows. So you can listen to them for uh, a good while. And then if you still want to listen to them later, they're on uh, Facebook, as long as we have Facebook. Uh, <laughs> Under uh, Glocal News and Social Artistry, where all the past 150 folks are uh, cataloged. So thanks again, Don, for, for, Glad to be here. for being here. Uh, did you meet your wife in Montana? No. Um, gosh, let's see. We were, I think I was 15 and she was 14. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were... Uh, High school sweethearts didn't go to the same high school, but yeah, we we're still we're still very close. We have two children. <clears throat> we have um, our older daughter Megan is a costume designer, uh, working in film, and uh, she's currently on a HBO project called The Gilded Age. She is the wardrobe co- coordinator for that production and oh. she's start she's getting ready to start her uh, her second season of that the season uh this uh this show the gilded age premieres i believe in january oh. on hbo okay and did you tell me she went to stevens yes okay she went through stevens theater, college yeah. she went through their theater program and then went immediately into a full ride at penn state so that spoke Hmm. very well for the training that she got at mm-hmm. Stevens mm-hmm. because uh, she knew how to do stuff where apparently when she got uh, when she got to New York after her uh, MFA mm-hmm. she was uh, involved in hiring people uh, from other schools that did costume design they knew how to draw stuff but they didn't know necessarily know how stuff went together. Whereas mm-hmm. at Stevens, she had to know it all. Yeah, materials and, and, and sewing yes, and, and draping and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. You you have to know more than just how to draw something. 
I got to be in a show at Stevens this uh, two years ago, oh, the, cool. a Christmas Carol, uh-huh. and uh, yeah. and and it was the clothiers or whatever uh-huh. the costume design people. They had to make my costume glow. Oh wow! And yeah. it was a real challenge. They sure. had found this certain kind of thing and cool. Da 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 da. So it was. Uh, I got to. Be right there in their shop, yes. so to speak. Yes, and I actually, uh, I I have helped Megan when she was uh, uh, burning the midnight oil f- on her senior project there. <laughs> she did uh, Chicago. Oh, wow. I think that was the name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was great. Wonderful. I got to, I got to sew. You know, sewing machines are cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have another daughter. I have another daughter, Christy, and she is uh, two years uh, younger, and she is an attorney. She's one of the directors of Disability Rights of New York, mm-hmm. and uh, she handles compliance things like uh, ADA compliance. Mm-hmm. She is involved in some federal cases, um, litigating to uh, implement proper uh, compliance for ADA, as well as uh, voting access for people with disabilities. Wow. And it's it's such an under-noticed area. It's very necessary, though, because, you know, a lot of people can deal with that and just feel totally forgotten because mm-hmm. they just can't even get to it, you know, mm-hmm. without access. Right. You've got to have access. Yeah, my surrogate daughter in Jeff City is a cerebral palsy, electric mm-hmm. wheelchair, mm-hmm. and every day it's every day is a challenge. Exactly. Um, yeah. And this is this mm-hmm. is what this is what my daughter Christy mm-hmm. uh, is engaged in, mm-hmm. making sure that these people can get what they need. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. I wonder who is doing that job here in Missouri. I have no idea. I think I need to look them up. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, after Montana. Yeah. Came to, um, well, we, we had a stint in outside of Pittsburgh where fixed up my grandmother's house and Mm then, uh, made a, a little bit of profit on the sale of that and were able to buy our, place down in Bland. So that's how we started with the homestead thing. Did your wife go with you to Montana? No. No. She wasn't on that road trip. No, she wasn't on the road (laughs) trip. That was that was an interesting trip. It was um, after I got out uh, in uh, heading west on 90 through the flatlands of South Dakota uh, it's easy to start hallucinating on that on that straight oh. drive, and I'm right. driving along, thinking, "Man, this is a long way out there." And in my rearview mirrors on my truck, I'm looking, and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, what am I looking at?" And behind me is an old Chevy pickup with a red plywood camper coming up from behind me and it is like the twin of my old truck Mm -hmm. and I was just thinking am I really seeing I thought I was I thought I was hallucinating and so I slowed down to let it come up 
and it came up past me. Mm-hmm. And there in that truck were Tim and Tina Vischer from coming from uh, Burlington, Vermont, where they had been staying, and they were happened to be on their way to the family ranch in Bozeman, Montana. And as they pulled up next to me, they're freaking out because they thought the same thing. It's like, wait a minute, we're seeing us up ahead, you know, and and we were driving these light faded green Chevy pickups. Theirs, I think, was a 49 and mine was the the last model of that series that they made it was a 55 and there was they they looked the same and both had red uh barn red plywood campers on homemade homemade plywood campers yeah and so they're they're just freaking out you know they just couldn't (laughs) believe it and so we pulled over immediately and started talking well i ended up living with them while I was in Montana. Oh, yeah, Bozeman. Yeah, so I lived was. Yeah, I lived on their ranch in Kelly Canyon mm-hmm. outside of Bozeman. And they probably had a blacksmith that they used uh, from oh, their ranching. Oh, I did ranching, some but... I did some trimming on some of their horses. It yeah. was, you know, we I helped out. You know, that was I was expected to to pitch in. We did uh, we we uh, I sh- I shared in the chores and, yeah, and sure. stuff. It wasn't really a working ranch. It mm-hmm. had um, oh okay. It wasn't that. It was just it was I you know three hundred and sixty acres. I think it was a beautiful place. Mm. And their their dad was a, a doctor in town. Mm. And anyway, I got to know the family mm-hmm. and stay with them for three months. <laughs> it was but it was just amazing <laughs> to be able to meet somebody in the middle of nowhere yeah. that would that you would get to know real well over the next three months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still know them? I, I was uh, in touch with them. Oh, it's been probably eight years. I'm not, mm-hmm. I, we lost touch for yeah. many years and then I reconnected with them. And then uh, I have since met a friend that I've gotten to know real well who is real close to one of their associates out there. Uh-huh. So, you know, there are connections. Yeah. <clears throat> so in Bland, uh, you were a professional. You well, I was... became a professional. Well, I was... You tried to be. <laughs> I was... You know, it's... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm learning as I go. You know, when I... They, I've been at this 50 years. I mean, I'm good at what I do. But the first year, you know, you got to learn this stuff. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then... And the get to know the people decade, and trust The first and... decade, hopefully you've made some progress in your skill level. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully with each passing year, you become a little less naive mm-hmm. and a little handier mm-hmm. at solving problems. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a... It's, it's a... Uh, a, a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I use, well, we'll have to use that term professional loosely. <laughs> I did a lot of different things while I was trying to establish myself as the village blacksmith, you know, mm-hmm. beginning with horseshoeing, 
And then I got a job working for a ranch down there as a cowboy. I actually... Oh, wow. Yeah, I actually had a horse. It, it wasn't my own horse. It was a, a cutting horse. And I got to learn how to uh, wrangle cattle. Wow. Okay. You know, for a uh, artificial insemination project that they were mm -hmm. working on. Mm-hmm. And that way you expanded your uh, versatility. Yeah, um, I did. And uh, then I became a, a clay miner. I was... Oh, my. Uh, I, I was a powder monkey in a fire clay mine that actually this contractor just worked all over the region around Bell, mm -hmm. Owensville. For the Bland, brick plants? For, uh, it was at the time, Harbison Walker over mm -hmm. in Fulton. Mm -hmm. And I did the drilling and shooting of uh, the clay, the oh. fire clay. Mm -hmm. Man. I had no idea these little gems were back there. With, I don't uh, think that it lasted much longer because it, they, I think they started getting the stuff from, uh, that, you know, technology was showing other sources to be mm -hmm. better than the fire clay that was being mined around central Missouri. Mm -hmm. Well, you've taken me on a tour of the place here. And by the way, again, uh, we're talking to Don Asby, the... Uh, um, what was that phrase you used again? The artist, you are artist blacksmith. Artist blacksmith, and I, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting the blacksmith part. But you, speaking of that, you, you've been the president of the Blacksmith Association, vice president. Vice yeah, president? I was, I was one of the founders of the Blacksmith Association in Missouri, mm -hmm. and I was, uh, I served as vice president, I think, for about seven years. Mm -hmm. So even though you don't officially do blacksmithing now, Oh, I do blacksmithing. Well, well, tell us what blacksmithing is. It is. Because all I know is that it's you got the horse. And no, you no, got no, the no, 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 no. That is being a farrier. Oh, okay. That is being a farrier. Thank you for yes. this distinction. Yes, yeah. yes. See, I didn't even know that uh -huh. when I went to school. That was the first thing I learned is <laughs> this isn't about blacksmithing. This is about putting shoes on horses. Yeah. Now, you do, at the school that I went to, you do have to learn how to make your own horseshoes mm -hmm. at the anvil. Mm -hmm. And that is the rudiments of blacksmithing mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. But what I'm doing, all that stuff that you see right there mm -hmm. in those sculptures, mm -hmm. that is smiting iron, blacksmith. Okay, smiting okay. iron. Anytime you're hitting the iron. A smith smites. So <laughs> I'm a smiting smith. This is an education. I'm loving this. Okay. Oh, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, so as a, but you did start shoeing horses. Oh yeah, I did. I, I enjoyed that as much as I could stand it for seven years. And it just, I wasn't, I, I didn't grow up in horse, uh, in a horse culture. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the suburbs of, uh, New York city and I wasn't exposed to horses. So mm -hmm. I really didn't have a clear enough understanding of horses and uh, horse 
culture. Mm-hmm. It's a subculture unto itself. Yeah, yeah. And without that, I really, I was technically good, but I didn't really mm-hmm. ever feel like I understood how to give the horse owners exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was just kind of a fish out of water mm-hmm. in that. But I, you know, my, I could put my horse, I, I could put my handmade horseshoes on the horses and they would stay on <laughs> until they needed to be reset. That was good, but I wasn't a horse person yeah, per se. Did you ever get hurt by a horse? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's real easy getting hurt by horses. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and and that was, you know, when I realized that I was going to enjoy metalworking more than subjecting myself to the uh, potential abuse, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was very pleased to find <laughs> that I was going to be able to open a blacksmith shop. I saved up my money and I built my first pole barn mm. okay. at, in Bland. Uh-huh. I built it myself and, you know, built a forge and, you know, just started a little bit at a time. Yeah. And I started building uh, custom wood stoves back in the late oh, 70s wow. uh-huh. when we were dealing with a lot of oil embargo mm-hmm. issues sure, and energy prices going up and people mm-hmm. getting more interested in wood heat Mm -hmm. and on the rainy days when I wasn't shoeing horses I was in building I started out building my own wood stove and then neighbor saw what I was doing and wanted one and then Mm -hmm. his cousin and Mm -hmm. then uh, pretty soon I was in the middle of building all kinds of wood-fired heating devices ranging from uh, hot water boilers Mm -hmm. to uh, fully functional uh, uh, heating systems that look like fireplaces. They weren't really fireplaces. Mm -hmm. They were they were primary heat sources for homes, Mm -hmm. but they were very, very decorative. Mm -hmm. And so I made that gradual transition from doing very basic box stoves when I first started in uh, that would have been in 1976 mm-hmm. and then by the time uh, it was probably the last heating system that I made might have been in the mid 90s yeah did you ever get pictures of your products into Mother Earth News or oh, they, any of those? they found their way into certain things, um, but I, you know, I was doing custom work mm-hmm. and always had enough word of mouth stuff coming yeah, through sure. that I really I never was one to want to uh, be a plant manager. Mm-hmm. That really was I'm that's my dad would have been real happy if I had mm. if I had seen how to capitalize. Mm-hmm. But capital never meant as yeah. much to me as it did to him because he was a capitalist mm-hmm. and I was his grubby <laughs> hippie son. We loved each other dearly, but ne'er the twain shall meet in terms of basic uh 
you know, looking at the world, mm -hmm. I saw I saw the world differently than my dad did. Mm -hmm. He couldn't understand why I wanted to live so close to the ground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to build those things took a lot of welding. Was that lots a of welding? Yeah, okay. yeah. And I had been to welding school, mm -hmm. and uh, after after uh, uh, after shoeing horses for a while and working as a, uh, I, I worked in a feed mill. I worked at a John Deere dealership in Owensville. I got mm -hmm. to do a lot of odd jobs mm -hmm. that, you know, there was always something to learn. Mm -hmm. I, I was a small engine mechanic mm -hmm. for a while. So this was all kind of building up into a situation where get all the skills together mm -hmm. and then, you know, just keep going. Mm -hmm. And now I can, if I need a piece of machinery... I can oftentimes figure out how to make it myself. Mm -hmm. Well, my uncle, Harold Alexander, in Fayette, Missouri, had a welding shop right uh, on 240, just as you were going into the uh, town. Mm -hmm. And I lived in Columbia, but we'd go over in the summers or we'd visit. And, mm -hmm. and I remember this dark insides and the smell that I noticed when I walked into your shop and and uh as you and I were talking earlier there was very little safety I mean I remember that big hood that he wore over his face right. and looked through those little sunglass thingies because of that the intense bright, uh, bright light yeah, yeah the arc light um on the other hand you have learned how to protect yourself could you Talk a little bit about this process of evolving into really taking care of yourself quite well and in, in a dangerous, in some ways, uh, profession. Yes, I, I probably learned a little late about ear protection and maybe a little bit too late about wearing a dust mask or a respirator. But I've been wearing that protective gear for quite some time. And certainly eye protection has always been very important. Mm -hmm. You know, just the idea of uh, working, when I was shoeing horses, I always wanted to have glasses on mm -hmm. <clears throat> just to keep stuff out of my eyes. Mm -hmm. But um, I, have, I have set my workspace up with... A real emphasis on safety and ease of getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. uh, as you could see, how I set up the uh, the tools uh, over my work tables, where mm -hmm. the uh, the there are small cranes that I mm -hmm. call uh, uh, what do I call them? They're, uh, they're they were fashioned after uh, an inspiration from sitting in the dentist chair looking at how everything could swing right into mm -hmm. position mm -hmm. by the dentist or the dental assistant uh, for ease of uh, drilling mm -hmm. or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I've got my power tools hanging on these tool booms in, yeah. in uh, two different locations in my shop. And then I have my welders working uh as well on uh on these tool booms and cranes mm -hmm. that enable me 
to keep things off of the ground. I don't have to have a lot of uh, hoses and extension cords snaking all over the floor right. for what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I, I can lift things without injury with the cranes. Mm -hmm. I have two, uh, two big, uh, they're called jib cranes, mm -hmm. and they enable me to lift a ton. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is very handy. And one of the things that I wanted to do as I was developing my work style and my, uh, and my shop, I, I wanted my girls to feel comfortable coming in to the studio and helping me work. Okay. And my, my older daughter uh, would come in and help me do things like wiring light fixtures. And she was very interested in, in uh, making tables for her own needs when she was in college. Uh, going to Stevens, oh. she wanted uh, she wanted to have interesting furnishings that involved uh, steel. So mm -hmm. we, it surprises me sometimes to look at all the tables we made for her, <laughs> and then her sister. Uh, a little while later, is coming in because she wants to learn how to weld, mm -hmm. and uh, both the girls learned how to weld, but. Christy, uh, the younger daughter, really, uh, I honestly believe that if 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 I if if uh, reincarnation were a thing, <laughs> she was a blacksmith in another lifetime uh. because Christy could figure things out quicker than I ever could, mm -hmm. and I would, I got to where I would. Um, give her something to do just to see if she could do it. And then I would go off and run some errands thinking, I wonder if she'll figure that out. And only to come home and find out she had had the whole thing done. And I would ask her, how did you know to do this? And her question was, well, how else would you do it? <laughs> it was amazing. And we had a ball. Wonderful. She was a journeyman. She, uh, before she went to law school, she was a she was at a journeyman level, mm -hmm. wow. and Megan took what she learned from me and applied it to her design studies. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know, Megan has definitely got a flow for um, you know traffic and production and and efficiency. Megan is, I mean, it's one of the reasons why she, when she finished uh, uh, grad school at Penn State with her MFA in costume design, um, she got into a, uh, a uh, Robert De Niro movie right out of school wow. and was able, because she had such a broad knowledge of clothing, and how stuff gets put together, and how she learned things have to flow in the production of movie wardrobe. Mm -hmm. uh, and she just, she has her own niche there. Yeah. Her The phone never stops ringing wow. because she figured that out. And mm -hmm. I, she might have picked up some of the things that <laughs> I have, I don't know if I had any... Yeah 
uh, in, inspiration there. But, you know, she, she definitely got a lot of aesthetic sensibility, design mm-hmm. sensibility, I like to think, yes. from me. Yes. <laughs> but Christy definitely, she had the chops for metalwork. Like, Wonderful. I was just amazed. So a number of your years of work were in practical construction of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like you still do some of that, but you've shifted also into a more more creative. sculptural. Yeah. How did that... It was always the desire to do the most challenging thing. The next thing mm-hmm. had to build on something I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Like when I was doing wood stoves, I was wanting to kind of give the client a little bit more finish or flair than they might have expected. Mm -hmm. And so there were flourishes that I was able to impart Mm -hmm. in my wood stove designs that they weren't necessarily expecting, but it was a platform to show the next client Mm -hmm. that I'm not afraid of a design challenge. Mm -hmm. And so little by little, people would come to me realizing that uh, I wasn't the average uh, chop and weld uh, shop. Mm -hmm. I was going to be able to do maybe a little bit more in terms of hand work and expression, artistic expression in my work. Mm -hmm. And that just led little by little from doing, I mean, I started out doing bale spikes. I did tractor (laughs) repair. I did, you know, I welded backhoe buckets. Mm -hmm. I did all that stuff that your uncle did. Mm -hmm. But there was always something coming in where somebody wanted something special. Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, that's, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of your things are on consignment in a way, or what's that it's word? All, it's uh, all commission work. Commission work, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, don't do, I don't do much of anything that isn't commissioned. So people have an idea and they bring it to you, or mm-hmm. they say, uh, well, we kind of want something for the foyer. Something like that, maybe, but a lot of times people will come to me with a specific idea yeah. and want to know how that can be implemented hmm. in a way that I can produce it mm-hmm. and give them a sense of ownership in how the design turned mm-hmm. out. It's always fun to bring in people that are creative and you know just kind of work it out as a collaboration. But yeah. there are a lot of people that just, you know, Certain clients that I'm working for are just telling me, this is what we need, make it, and send us the bill. Yeah. You know, don't even ask how much it costs Mm -hmm. because there's no way to know because it's never been made before. Wow. I work on stuff that I've never seen. Mm -hmm. They just tell me what they want. Mm -hmm. And if I can come up with a sketch, oh, yeah, that looks good. Hmm. Can you give us just a frame of reference what you're talking about? Uh, oh, well, like a range hood. I've done a lot of range hoods. Oh, okay. Practical. Use. Very, very elaborate mm. range hoods. 
And, and are these uh, sometimes out of copper or? I they... haven't done one out of copper, but oh. uh, mm-hmm. stainless and forged metal. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd, I always wanted to do one out of copper, but nobody ever came telling me that's what they needed. Mm-hmm. But I can, I can show you. Well, you know, we're on the radio, so yeah, it you could matter. show me. Yeah, you. <laughs> if people want to see some of this stuff, they can check out. Oh, yeah. DonAsby.com. Thank you. And spell that for us because I missed it. D-O-N-A-S-B-E-E. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. And that will will bring up my uh, Asby Metal Studio website. Mm -hmm. And this uh, studio, you told a fascinating story that uh, this was a pile of uh, pieces of an old building up at the power plant that was... Yes. Temporarily there for its for, construction. That's right, yeah. And then you bought these pieces. And... It was just um, <laughs> beams beams and purlins laying in piles uh, down in a... Uh, th- this fella had a salvage business. He did all kinds of salvage work, and I guess it was his job to tear this building down and haul it off the premises at the mm. Callaway Nuclear Power Plant. And... I bought it, not knowing what I was doing, but you know, it ended up being a, a good building for me. Mm-hmm. It's a 40 by 60 steel building, mm-hmm. and it originally just had a 12 foot ceiling height, and I've expanded it, oh, yeah. to, uh, raised it to, to 15 feet, mm-hmm. which gives me enough room to have a, uh, the jib cranes mm-hmm. and, and good space in my. In my living space here, I've got a mezzanine, mm-hmm. and that's uh, so it's very comfortable. I've got good light in the building. <clears throat> and you've not only built it once, you've built twice. it twice. <laughs> yes, it's twice built, kind of like uh, refried beans, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend anybody do it the way I did it. Uh, but it worked. In- it wor- yeah, it's, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I saw a cat outside. Yeah, there's two, uh, there's two studio mouse killers uh-huh. on the payroll here. And, and you got about 30 acres? I have 30 acres here. So I, I, love, I love my location. It's uh, kind of pastoral, industrial in nature. Mm-hmm. I, um, I have some, uh, a bit of garden space. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm lucky, I can harvest a deer Mm-hmm. In the woods behind my studio, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's my red meat for the year. Okay, uh, do you have to mow the grass that I see, or do you have goats I, that come along? No, I really that would be the thing to have is goats. Um, I uh, I have mowed it, and then there every once in a while somebody might want some hay, so mm-hmm. they'll come in and mow it and haul the hay away. Yeah, this year. I was, it was getting up over the hood of my tractor, and I knew I had to deal with it. <laughs> Hadn't heard from my hay guy, so I spent a weekend mowing my field, only to find out that he was out in the next-door neighbor the next day <laughs> harvesting the hay, and he would have done mine if I had only known. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, it was one of those miscommunication things. Yeah. You... Uh don't have any plans of retiring i don't think do no, you uh-uh. this no, is uh, i'm i'm going to be 70 years old and i'm still having fun at it so yeah. i would 
if I were independently wealthy, I would still be doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we at KOPN, uh, mostly a volunteer station, um, do you have some... Uh, how are you interfacing with KOPN these days? Well, I am... Um, I'm a real good friend of Linda Day. Mm-hmm. And, and our president of the board of directors. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And she hired me several years ago to do a railing for her log home. And oh. I, I worked out, uh, and, and it was a real interesting commission. It was not easy. <laughs> and she loves the results. Uh-huh. And... Over and you want to talk about a collaboration? Okay. It was like <clears throat> I worked with her. We we just drew everything out, and I did trials, and and there were uh, you know there were a lot of things that we had to work around uh, that were a challenge. But she ended up really liking the the result of what I did for her mm-hmm. for her home. And we just forged a friendship over that. Wonderful. And, uh, and so that's, that's part of it. But I've known a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, stalwarts from, mm-hmm. uh, is that the right word, stalwarts from sure. the, uh, you know, the, from the radio station like uh, uh, Tom Verdeau, uh, a lot of the contradance people have been associated with uh, with KOPN over the years. Mm-hmm. And you're a country dancer. I am. All right. Yeah, if, if it ever comes back. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. A COVID issue. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hold out for everybody being vaccinated. I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in, in stopping the spread of COVID. <clears throat> I am too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Don Asby, <laughs> for your dedication and uh, your inspiration. And uh, just to get a chance to talk with you again. This My has pleasure. been a, a real education for me. And uh, we look forward to uh, maybe seeing some of your things on donasby.com. That's correct. And uh, the timer is saying... Our time is up. How about that? (laughs) Well, it was good talking to you, Dick. Great. And friends, remember, uh, wherever you are, that is your world. So please, leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care. And talk to you soon.